Well, good morning. Good morning. It's awesome to have Arthur back up here singing with us and have Emma home from college. It's nice that she can, yeah, you can clap for that. And anytime you want Emma to come home, all you got to do is send her some gas money, all right? And she'll, uh, she'll come home. Uh, real quick, just a little, uh, little housework to take care of. If you took one of these bags last week, it looks like some of you brought the stuff back, way to go. If you didn't bring it back this week, that's fine. Go ahead and bring it back next week and we'll make sure that the school gets it. Now we do have a few of these left out on the table where you'll see all of the goods. And so please uh, join with us in blessing students right here at this school. Like you can enter into service by, by just picking up one of these bags. And so we want to encourage you to be um, a part of that. Throw that down there. Now I'm going to trust that these letters are going to stand up on their own. I always feel a little weird as a guy going into Hobby Lobby. Any other guys feel that way? Just, I didn't know if it was me. or <laughs> Any of you guys love Hobby Lobby? Anybody willing to admit that? Yeah, well, uh, girls, yeah. Oh, we got one in the back there. Yeah, it loves Hobby Lobby. There's some cool stuff in there, though, by the way. You can... Could really spend a lot of time and money in there. All right, so this is, I don't know if that was going to say anything about it. Yeah. So this is, the, is where we're going to be going the next few weeks, just to give you a little visual. So last week, uh, Pastor Brady Rogers shared with us about receiving his salvation. Now, these are the, the fundamentals, the fundamentals of discipleship or to be a disciple obviously the first step in being a disciple is choosing to follow Jesus receiving the salvation that comes through faith in Christ today we're going to talk about enlisting in his body okay so once you receive it what do you do with it once I'm here how do I get plugged in how do I get connected the a will then be abiding in his presence learning to what does it what does it take what does it mean to abide to rest and be connected um, to the vine that is Jesus. And then C is to commit to or contribute to his cause. Okay? And so uh, Roy is going to share with us about how do we contribute? How do we give? Giving is a part of worship. Giving not only our money, that's part of it, but it's also giving our time and our talents and, and those kind of things. And then the last part is how do we heed his commands? How do we walk out an obedient life that God is calling us to walk out. So those are going to be the next few weeks that we're going to spend together. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, how many of you immediately know what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is? You know, what is it? It's the what chapter? It's the love chapter. And you hear this read a lot at weddings, okay? But it's, it's re obviously it applies to husbands you know, or, and wives loving each other, but it's really about the church loving each other. And so we're going to talk about enlisting in his body today. So let us pray, because you know, I just want to, I want to share something with you. There seems to be some additional um, just struggle going on right now, and just at least in my, uh, my peer group, of stuff going on with our, with our wives. And I know as a husband, you know, when your wife is, was down, man, you're in trouble because the house is going to fall apart when, you're, when the wife is not able to, to function. But it's not just the house, but just her taking care of all the other, taking care of us, 
You know, I did a wedding last night. And it says, God said it was not, suit, it's not good for man to be alone. Well, no, it's not good. Men get themselves in trouble, all right, when they're alone. They need, they need some help. And so it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on. So then I got this word of encouragement from a friend of mine this week um, out of the book of 1 Samuel where it talked about there was a time where David was off to, to, to war and he comes home and his village was attacked and they took two of his wives and all of his kids and everybody else's wives and their children too. And they came home and it was, they were, it was gone. And it said that David drew strength from the Lord. And so I just want to pray. I want to pray for husbands especially, but also for the wives, just that we would draw strength from the Lord and know how to support and encourage our wives and how to, um, and then for the wives to find healing and a touch from the Lord too. So let's pray. So God, right now we, we, uh, we come to you and we just ask for, for just to strengthen the men in our community to so be the men that you've called them to be. God, I know that if you can take out, take out the man, um, then everything else falls apart. But, but if, in lieu of that, you try to, the enemy tries to do some, some serious work on our, on our wives and, and the support and nurturing that we need from them is so crucial. And so, Lord, right now we just pray for those that are hurting physically and emotionally and spiritually right now. And we ask that you would, you would touch them, Lord, that you would, you would bring them back into our midst, that you would uh, touch them in such a way that they can be present with us here. They can take care of the, the things you've called them to take care of in their homes and at work and all the different areas of life that they touch, blessing their children. And, and so we just lift them up to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, because when you get married and when you, get, you start a family, talk about en enlisting and, and, and signing up for, for a full-time job. That's definitely it. Well, we're gonna talk about enlisting, signing up, for duty. So when you think about enlisting, the first thing I thought about was I thought about the military. Like I've never been in the military. My brother was in the military, retired from the Air Force, um, and he enlisted. And I remember that day. I remember bringing him to the uh, to this place, this hotel where they were going to check in and dropping him off. And I remember him acting like he he had the whole world under control, and my mom crying like a baby. About two weeks later, after he'd been in basic, he sent back a letter. He was crying like a baby. Because he had realized that he didn't have it, and they were teaching him all kinds of things. So we're talking about enlisting into a particular uh, cause, maybe. Or when you think about enlisting, think about it this way. To participate heartily in a cause, drive, or a crusade. Well, you know what? There is no greater cause, no greater cause than the gospel, than the good news of Jesus Christ. And this good news because... This news is that our sin has been paid for by Jesus. By his death on the cross, it paid for our sin. And that is the gospel, that is good, and that is the cause that we enlist in. Once we receive salvation, we're enlisted into this cause and say, I'm a part of this. How can I serve? What can I do to be a part of this? Remember last week when Brady talked about how Jesus abolished death? Do you know that death is, our, is man's greatest enemy? It is. There's no other enemy greater than that. And, it's, and for so many people, it's our greatest fear as well. People are afraid of death because it's the fear of the unknown. But Jesus defeated death when he rose again on the third day. And ladies and gentlemen, that's great news for you and me. And when we put our faith in him, do you know what happens when we put our faith in Jesus and we receive salvation? Literally, Scripture says we cross over from death to life. We start experiencing life 
the way that he wants us to experience it. Not just eternally, but life right here and now. When we decide to follow him, we begin to find direction and purpose for our existence. I mean, isn't the question always, like, man, what am I here for? God, what, what do you want me to do? What am I, what did you put me on this planet? Why did you create me the way you created me? Why am I designed this way? Why do I think the things, the thoughts that I have? Why do I do the things I do? Why can I do some things really good and the other things I'm just not good at? Why am I that way? Well, God can help us find those direction and that purpose for our, our existence. And when we press in to know him, we begin to discover greater depths of who he is. And you know what? We actually begin to discover kind of who we are too. Hosea 6.3 says that, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn or the coming of the rains in the early spring. It's an if and then, really. If we press in, he will respond. Then he will respond to us. Jeremiah 29.13 says it like this, You will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. So what is, what is our responsibility in that particular passage of Scripture? It's our responsibility to seek Him. You know, think about it. If you, go to, if you go to a store and you're looking for a product, you seek and you search, hopefully until you find it. And God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find he's not, he's not hiding. Like, He really wants us to find Him. It's not a, uh, it's not a game. To God. He wants us to know Him and to find Him. Now, once we've received this gift, it's only natural for look for ways to turn around and give it away, which is kind of like the Great Commission. The Great Commission, remember, it says that we are to go into all the world to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what Jesus commanded. So it's basically like you receive it, you enlist in, in, in his body to then begin to give it away, give what you've received away. And we are to do this by being a part of or enlisting in a local church. One great, uh, great leader of a huge church in Chicago quoted to have said many different times, the local church is the hope of the world. Do you guys buy that? If more people bought that, there'd be more people here. I mean, think about it. If, they re if we really truly bought into this thought, the local church is the hope of, it's the hope of our homes, it's the hope of our community. It's the hope of the, our surrounding area. But it's, literally it says it's the hope of the world because that is where Jesus decided to, to plant himself through the power of the Holy Spirit into the people of the local church to bless everybody else in the world. That's a pretty powerful thought. That's a pretty ominous thought, actually, if you think about it, because he's planted himself in you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to bless the world by using your gifts and in, in serving Part of our mission statement is for you to discover the calling God has for you. What is that calling? It might not look exactly like my calling. It could be completely different. But, it's, but it is the calling to take what you've received and then give it away in practical ways. So I want you to think about this, this idea of enlisting. So to enlist, it actually requires something of you. Like you have to go and kind of like step forward. But in our context, it's like the church is actually ask, drawing you to it and saying, I want you to step forward. So there's like a meeting, like you say, well, I'll step. The church wants me to come. Like when we enlist people to serve in church, like we 
I enlisted, or actually Ginger enlisted, Justin to do the announcements this morning. You see how that works? Now, what was Justin's responsibility in that? What did he do? Let me hear. He showed up. That's right. Man, that's a huge piece. Actually, that's the end of the sermon right there. He actually showed up. So you've got this, this push and pull, kind of like we're, we're kind of, we want to nudge you a little bit closer to finding out what it is God's called you to do. And then you need to actually step into that role and say, I'll do it. Does that make sense? Okay. That's kind of where that's at. Now, who is the head of the church? Who's the head of this church? Jesus, please don't say it's me, okay? That's a lot of responsibility. Now, I bear a lot of that responsibility because I'm the pastor of the church, but, but Jesus is the head of this church. So think about how necessary your head is on your body. How many of you have ever been accused of running around like your chicken with the head cut off? My parents used to say that. My dad used to say that. Brady used to like a chicken with his head cut off. Right? Well, without the, I've, I've seen chickens without their head. It's funny for a while, but it's devastating, okay? Have you ever seen one of those? My grandpa used to do that. He used to swing them around. And there would go the body, and he'd have the head. It's not a good thing for the chicken. Now, it's good news for us because we get to eat it later on, but it's bad news for the chicken. You can imagine the body without the head. Imagine the church without Jesus. There'd be no purpose, really. Why, why would we gather if it wasn't for the fact that we've already received the greatest gift of all from Jesus? We gather because of him. We gather in his name. We gather to worship him. We gather so that other people might see Christ in us. The church. So we're absolutely dependent upon the head. Now, each part of the body, then like the rest of the body, think about it. Each part of my, our human body gets its direction from our head, okay? From our thoughts, from our, this neurosystem that somehow my brain somehow tells my foot to step forward. Without even really truly thinking about it. You know, this is interesting because this came into to a different context for me recently when my 93-year-old father-in-law said, Brady, I never thought I would get to the place where I'd have to literally think about, now I need to raise my right foot to step. Now I need to raise my left foot to step. You guys don't think about that, do you? Because we're just so natural. We just do it on our own. But he's having to learn. Now he's having to learn how to do it all over again. Because he, he fell and broke his hip and he's going through therapy to get stronger. So keep praying for him. His name's Walter, 93 years old. Mind is as sharp as a tack, okay? Which is scary sometimes because he's cantankerous. <laughs> but uh, pray for him because his body is weak. So we get our direction from the head. So as a church, as being a part of the body, let's say we're all parts of the body, we get our direction from Jesus. Do you know, literally in the church, it should function this way. It should function that ministries come out of being directed and motivated by Jesus, not by me, and not by other people in the church. It's like you, you feel called and led because Jesus, you feel like the Lord has spoken to you or maybe nudged you and drawn you. Say, you know what? I really have a, a deep desire to minister to, to young people. Maybe you have a real passion for kids, okay? Then what ministry should you serve in? 
just serve in the kids' ministry. I had one gentleman say, I'll do anything else, but please don't make me serve in the kids' ministry. You know, a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> That's the reason why it's always hard to fa- find volunteers for the children's ministry. But, but you should serve, really, truly, you should only serve because you feel like the Lord is calling you to serve. As a matter of fact, the only reason not to serve is because you feel like God's telling you no and pulling you back. That's it. God's calling you to do it or God's saying no because you're getting your direction from the head. Now, that's hard sometimes because I know as a leader of a church, we're constantly needing people to fill in or do this or do that. And I don't ever want it to feel like, well, we're trying to kind of like bait and switch people or manipulate them to get to do stuff. We don't want it to be that way. We want people to come and say, I want to serve in this particular area. We make it happen for them and they find joy in it. But even if we find joy in serving, which I hope you, you would, Man, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes marriage is hard. Sometimes raising kids, well, not my kids. <laughs> sometimes raising kids is hard. You know? It's just difficult sometimes. And there are times where honestly you feel like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm done. You know? Not that I've ever felt like leaving my kids, but sometimes I felt like, um, locking them in their room <laughs> so maybe they would clean it. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be real with you. It is, it's not like you say, oh, I'm serving in the church and it's all wonderful and it's flowers and rainbows. and No, you know why it's difficult? Because we talked about it for three weeks in a row about relationships. It's difficult because it involves people. And we're all humans. And we're prone to fail. But the body is made up of many different parts. It's like the human body. The church is made up of many different parts. But they're codependent upon each other. They need each other. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. We need each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that, in verse 18, it says, but God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Your left hand is where it's supposed to be because that's where God wanted it to be. And it's the same way in the church. He's placed you where you're at because he wanted you to be there, to learn and to grow. Maybe it's to learn and to grow and move on. Maybe it's to learn and to grow and to stay and plant your roots deep. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do. But here's some some extremes that I want you to be aware of as we move forward. So two extremes when it comes to being a part of the body and serving and listening in his service Okay, we have to be very careful to understand this truth. Our humanity has a habit of crowding out our divinity. Okay, once you think about this, once you receive Christ as your Savior, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes to live in and through you, but our flesh and our human frailties get in the way of that so many times because our human flesh wants to take over and we want to do what we want to do, not what God's calling us to do. And that happens a lot. So here's some two extremes that I want you to be aware of when it comes to serving. For one, you could get to this place where you feel like, I'm just not good enough. Extreme number one, I'm not good enough. And then you might start playing the if-only game. I've even had to be warned about this. Brady, don't start comparing yourself to every other pastor 
that you've said underneath their teaching or whatever. Like, glean from them, learn what you can, but don't compare yourself to them. If only, if only I had 3,000 people in, my ser- in, in church service over the weekend. When, if only. If only, well, that'd be just 3,000 more issues to deal with, I'm sure. But, but if only, if only I had more of this. If only I had um, more money to, to do stuff with or whatever it is that you can use as the only game. Or if I, was, if I was as good at, if I could play the guitar like Arthur could play the guitar, man, I wouldn't even need Arthur. I would just do it myself. Well, what about Arthur? That'd be like the right hand saying, I don't really need the left hand. I got it. I'm good. Left hand, you just stay right there. I got all this. Until you realize you need both to lift something. <laughs> then what do you do? And that Actually, Scripture does say it in, in a, 1 Corinthians 12, 15, it says, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand and I, do not belong to, I don't belong to the body, would for that reason he stop being a part of the body? You know? You can't, they, they can't happen. I encourage you to just be you. There's no one on else, else on earth just like you. And you bring something unique to the table. You bring something nobody else has because it's you. Okay? Second extreme. I'm too good. Matter of fact, I'm so good that I really don't need anybody else. I could do this all by myself. Until you show up one Sunday morning and try to set it all up by yourself. (laughs) It's not possible. You can't do it. I mean, you could do it, but you could keep it on a real small level, just you and a couple other people. You could say, well, I don't really need others, or I'm more gifted than other people, and if they could just be like me, you know, if, people, if other people in the church would just be like me, we wouldn't have all these problems. 1221 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I mean, the feet carry us to where we're supposed to go. So we cannot say these things. If we create this attitude of independence and self-reliance, it really becomes an enemy of experiencing true community. It'd be like you saying, I'll sit back over here by myself. I don't need to interact with anybody else in the church. Well, you know what? That's one way to do it. And, and by doing that, you don't have to ever be vulnerable. You don't have to ever let anybody in. Because you know what? There's a real risk in being vulnerable. Because people really get to know you. Even though that would be an incredible thing, people would really get to know you. And then you're afraid, well, maybe they won't like me. Maybe they'll reject me. But even though vulnerability is risky, it's very fruitful. Jesus modeled that for us. Leaves heaven, comes to earth, becomes extremely vulnerable. Teaches us to serve, gives his life on the cross, becomes obedient to death, it says. And as a result of that, he's given the name that is above all names. But if Jesus would have never risked Never taken that chance. Well, there'd be no reason for any of this. When we are vulnerable, it communicates this. I need you, and you need me. 
You know what? We may not have it all together, but together we have it all. So here's where I want you to feel this. I just gave you some stuff to know there, but here's what I want you to feel. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The thing that we need to feel is it's his love that is the thing that's supposed to compel us to enlist and to serve. That's the number one reason. It's actually, it's kind of like this. It's a look back to what Jesus has done on the cross, and that is the thing that propels me forward to serve him right here and right now. It's the look back and say, man, Jesus, he enlisted fully, and he served, and he loved me with such great love, then, then I want to be like that. A matter of fact, Paul says right at the end of chapter 12, when he just got through talking about all of the, the um, spiritual gifts and all of the diversity in the body and how we need each other and we need to be unified and all these things. And he says, and all these ways to serve, but he says, yet I will show you the most excellent way. Better than all of that. Let me show you what's even better. Like the motivation and the reason to enlist and to serve. Because you've got to have a motivating reason to do it. It's love. And so listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I mean, I can use powerful words. I can preach the best message you've ever heard in your life, and you'd be like, whoa, dude, is like hearing right from the angels. But if I don't love you, it's a bunch of noise. All noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have, and if I have faith that is so strong that says to tell the mountains to move and they move, but I don't have love, the Bible says I'm nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor, I mean, I clean out my cabinets, brought everything I own, and put them in a paper bag and give them to the students at Platte County and I serve and I, I volunteer the day of hope and we give everything away and if I give even over give my body over to hardship that I may boast but I do not have love I gain nothing for that I receive nothing in return and so he describes what this love should be love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh my goodness, aren't we good at that? Oh yeah? Well, let me just tell you what you did. And that's why I'm mad, because you did that to me. And we keep a record. Man, if, if that was the case with Jesus, we'd all be in trouble. But yeah, he, he hangs on a cross and he says, Father... Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. They don't know. Forgive them. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where, are there, where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will all pass away. We only have a short period of time to serve, to enlist, to give, and to love. Because all this stuff's all going to come to an end someday. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Like, but when completeness comes, 
what is in part disappears. Like right now, we really can't see clearly all that God has in store for us. We just can't. I wish we could. Like I wish I had some idea of, of what all of this effort and all of this, this pushing in and pressing in. God, I just, could you just show me what that's going to be like? What, what's the reward going to be? And he's like, just trust me. Because when I come, when I, when I make it complete, you're going to know. And you're going to be like, whoa, that was amazing. That's why I did these things. That's why I served. That's why I went through all these difficult times. Because of this. And he's going to make it clear to us someday. Now, when I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then, when Jesus completes this story that we're a part of, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now he says these three things remain. Faith, this expectant, hope, and love. But what is the greatest of all those things? It's love. So what do we do? Well, here's what we do. Here's the practical application. First, you seek upward. You seek up. You pray. You say, God, what, what do you want me to do? Maybe this is when you press in, you seek to find. Maybe you ask yourself this question, what am I really passionate about? Like, what, if I could do anything, what would it be? And then maybe ask others around you, hey, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think I would really be good at serving in the church? You know, because if you feel like you're receiving and you're like, yeah, this really feels good. Other people are like confirming, like, yeah, you're really good at that. You should try that out. The next step is, is to actually step up. Tell someone. <laughs> like, don't sit there and think, oh, man, I'm really passionate about this, but never tell anybody. Like, I'm just going to let Brady guess. Ten years later, I still have not guessed. And you're sitting there waiting. Don't do that. <laughs> step up, it says. Tell someone what you're interested in doing. If it's a ministry that's already going on in the church, ask what you need to do. Find out who the leader is and say, Hey, this is when I'm available. I can't be here every week, but I'll be here every week with this one. Tell me what you want me to do. If it's a new ministry, if it's something you feel like God is birthing in you, come and talk to me and let's see that maybe it's something that is something that we can start right now. Maybe it's something that's in the future. But here's a disclaimer I want you to know. We can't and won't do everything. It's not possible. We can't and, and won't do everything. But we'll do what we feel like God is calling us to do. And if you feel like the Lord's leading you that, let's talk about it. Let's see. One pastor told me, we will not have ministries in our church without ministers. By what, by what he means, by, uh, by, he means, this is what he means by that. I'm trying to, I don't know why I'm trying to say that so hard. He means this. If it's in your heart and you feel like this is a passion of yours and you're willing to own it, then let's talk about it. But don't come and say, well, you know what? I really think we need a ministry for this. Brady, here it is. Do it. Now, I've already have a ministry. <laughs> you know, maybe God's put it on your heart for a reason. Now it's time to start. And then lastly, show up. Most of the time in church, availability trumps ability. If you're here, hey, what, what can I do? This morning, Arthur's brother, he was here early. Hey, what can I do? And I, I, I put a trash bag in his hand. <laughs> 
help pick up the trash outside. There's trash all over the place. Boom, did that. What, what do you need me to do? He was available. And he did it. He did it with a great heart. Now, he might not show up again next week. I don't know. <laughs> he might be like, I'm never coming back. I shouldn't ever ask. <laughs> but, he, but he jumped in and he did it. You might be the most talented person, but if you're not committed or consistent, everybody else suffers. If you don't come, if you're not here, then what good is your talent? Come, plug in, serve, and do it with love because it's the most excellent way to serve. It's got to be wrapped in love because otherwise... We might be doing it for the wrong reason. Maybe our motives are not true and pure. I'm in a tough position because someone could even say, well, Brady, you just you do what you do because you, you, you get attention. Yeah, you know what comes with attention? Tension comes with attention. <laughs> but this is what God has called me to do. And, and I'm not the most important person in the church. Jesus is. And then you are. Because without you, we have no reason to exist. And I can worship Jesus sitting in my lounge chair at home. But we have this place so that other people can enlist, step forward to serve. We have this place so that we can pull other people out of maybe their comfort zone to give them a place to serve. So I really want to challenge you. You know there are some churches that, that require, like you probably go through a, some type of a membership class or whatever, but after that they require every person has gone through that class to serve somehow in the church. I do not want to become that legalistic. But I do want to challenge you to look up, seek, okay, God, what, it, what, is, what is it you want me to do? Step up and say, how can I serve? I'll sign up. And then show up. Come and help us. So that we're prepared when God continues to bring other people to our church, we can serve them. Right now, we can serve as many people as we have right here. But if we want to see increase, then we need other people to step up and serve. If you're here this morning, band, go ahead and come on up. If you're here this morning and you've never reached or receive the salvation that comes through faith in Christ alone. If you've never crossed over from death to life, put your faith in Jesus this morning. The Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And by calling, it just means by praying and asking, God, would you, would you forgive me and would you fill me? And then enlist. Sign up. And then let's serve together. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for these, just these people that are surrounding me today that have given their gifts and they've served faithfully. For everyone whose, her fingerprints are on this church. Pray that they would know how much you love them. Pray that the rest of us would be motivated by the love that you have for us, that your love would compel us, push us forward to serve you. We all have 
things that we can offer. Help us not to to buy into this lie that we're not good enough or we're too messed up, that God can't use us. Or to think that my gifts are too good or I can do this by myself, I don't need other people. It's just not true. And so, speak to us this morning, Lord. Help us to enlist, to share the good news of Jesus with others. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you once again for being here this morning. We, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a neat thought to me. We, we take up our offering at the end so that you can, you've received, we pray, and then you can give. And this is kind of what this space up here for too is an offering, but it's more than, it's not for you to offer money up here, it's for you to offer you up here, which is so much more valuable than anything you could possibly ever give. And so when we give ourselves, and it's kind of a, it is vulnerable, for sure, but uh, always know that this is a, it's a safe place. If you need someone to pray for you, if you just need to come and pray, and other people to, to just touch you and that you can bless them too, so just want to encourage you to be that. So we are, we do have, um, the offering baskets will be available, so let me pray for that blessing and thank you for being here. So Lord, we just come to you right now and we pray that you would uh, bless, um, bless the, the ones who give, put it on our hearts to just, to trust you with our gifts, trust you with our lives. When we enlist in service, we, we say, here we are, do with me what you want, God, and and that's risky sometimes, and, but, uh, but I pray we'd experience joy in giving. And so bless the offering. I uh, pray we take it turn it into just something so good that where other people can hear the gospel, other people can be blessed. Thank you for the, those who have participated today by giving um, blessings to high, high school students right here in this building, that they would somehow know that it's attached to love, because love is the most excellent way. And thank you, Jesus, for loving us first. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, bless you. Get to know somebody around you.